Good morning, everybody. We are so glad that you are here to worship with us. And good morning to those who are online as well. Um, if you're online, write something in the comments that we know you're with us. If you filled out, if you um, got one of those flood buckets um, for UMCOR, for the uh, tornadoes, um, if you have one of those buckets, they're due today. So bring it back as soon as you can. Oh no, if you're here and you didn't bring it back, Bring it sometime uh, in the near future. So uh, I don't know if you noticed, but Pastor Sam's back today. So that's super exciting. Uh, I know, I know. And um, he is going to be doing 40 Days of Prayer, which I think he's going to talk about in just a little bit. This Wednesday is one of my favorite uh, services of the year. It's Ash Wednesday. Um, and if you would like to go to the dinner before the service, that's at 515. Uh, but please RSVP with the church office so we know you're coming. And I believe they're Chick-fil-A sandwiches, are they not? Chick-fil-A sandwiches, so you need to come to dinner too on Wednesday. Uh, we have a multi-age Sunday school class that meets at 10. Um, if you have not been to that yet, come and check it out. We have snacks and a lot of fun, um, and anybody can come. Any age group is allowed. We're kind of a misfit of people that just didn't have a class to go to, and we have a blast together. Um, Next week, we start our new coffee station out here, um, and it's called He Brews. My cup runneth over is what won for our, uh, our name selection for that, but that'll start next week. Um, and lastly, I wanted to let you know there's flowers here on the altar. These are in memory and honor of uh, Willie Charles Strickland. He would have been 100 on 2-22-22. That's Susan Copeland's dad. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Loving God, we are so thankful that we can come to worship this morning. We pray that you will calm our hearts and our minds and help us focus on you. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Will you stand and worship with us?
place, fill us up as we overflow with praise. For your honor and fame, Father, get in this place, fill us up as we overflow with praise. For your honor and fame, Father, get in this place, fill us up as we overflow with praise.
You may be seated, and uh, Miss Catherine's going to be taking our children to Children's Church. But before she does, i got something very important I need to do for y'all. Uh, Jay, will you give me a G chord up there? Happy birthday to you. Pastor Andy. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday Yes, one of my one of our favorite people in the world is uh, is turning 59 today, and uh, so oh, Hadley. Anyway, I just wanted to say happy birthday. I really, really appreciate Andy. Miss um, Catherine's taking the kids to Children's Church. We're going to have a time of prayer, and we're going to also have a time uh, where we give to the Lord our tithes and offerings. We're going to pray over that. During our prayer time, we're going to uh, have a special prayer for the people of Ukraine. Um, our bishop has, has sent a prayer for all our churches to, to uh, pray today together. And, and we're going to remember um, the, the people of Ukraine and, and, uh, and just take kind of a special time of prayer. And I ask you to continue to pray uh, for those folks today. So um, let's pray together. Dear Lord, we are thankful to, to be here today. We're thankful for all the things that you give to us. We're thankful for being healthy enough to get out and come to church. We remember our friends, Lord, that are struggling with health issues right now, and, and we pray that you would be with them in a special way. Lord, we remember our friends that are struggling just day to day uh, there are so many, Lord, that don't say anything to anybody, but really are just trying to find the strength and trying to find the will to just keep going in a time that's really, really hard right now. Father, there's so much uh, struggle and so much heartache around the world, and we especially remember those of our friends, our brothers and sisters in Christ, the people of Ukraine. And now, Lord, we offer this prayer together. Oh God, we come before you today with heavy and troubled hearts about what is unfolding in Eastern Europe. 
the unprovoked invasion of Ukraine by Russia boggles our minds and grieves our hearts. We pray for reconciliation in the face of war and violence. We ask for you to move among leaders and influencers in the region and around the world to bring peace. We pray for the people of Ukraine at this moment. We especially ask for their protection, guidance, strength, and hope as they deal with death, fear, destruction that comes with war. We pray for insight and safety for our friend Bishop Edward Kage, who serves both Russia and Ukraine as bishop. Use him as an instrument of your peace in this difficult situation. Loving God, we lift up to you all the clergy, all the laity, and the congregations in the United Methodist Church, as well as other faith traditions in Ukraine and Russia. And Lord, show us what we can do to further peace in this and other circumstances. In the meantime, God, we pray, have mercy on us all. In the name of Jesus Christ, we offer this prayer. Amen.
This coming Wednesday, we begin the, the journey of the season of Lent, and we're also kind of kicking off a time of prayer and discernment for our church. It's called 40 Days of Prayer, and I hope that you will join us on this journey. I know we have several groups within the church that are going to be participating in this study and this prayer time together. We have beautiful prayer journals that you can get that, that go especially along with our study. I'll be uh, offering the study at uh, 11 o'clock and at 6 o'clock on Wednesdays. And Harriet is also doing this. And I think one of our Sunday school classes is doing the 40 days of prayer. And men at the well are doing 40 days of prayer. So we're all coming together for this. And I hope that you will join us too because this is a really, really good time to be praying, isn't it? We, d we do need to, to uh, emphasize this during the 40 days of, of Lent. And speaking of the 40 days of prayer... We have a little video to show you right now. Okay, that uh, that video was um, had had two 
two things that we're trying to accomplish. One is to make you want to go to the beach. I hope that that, that worked. And also to make you want to join us for this study. Will you, as you are able, stand for the reading of the gospel right now? Luke chapter 9, verses 28 through 36. Now, about eight days after these sayings, Jesus took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And while he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly they saw two men, Moses and Elijah, talking to him. They appeared in glory and were speaking of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now Peter and his companions were weighed down with sleep, but since they had stayed awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. Just as they were leaving him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it's good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. While he was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them. And they were terrified as they entered the cloud. Then from the cloud came a voice that said, This is my son, my chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. And they kept silent in those days and told no one of, the, of any of the things they had seen. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Pastor Sam, why are you down here in front of us instead of up there in the pulpit? Well, sometimes you just need a change of perspective to see things from a different angle. You know, in June of the year 2000, a film came out called uh, The Perfect Storm. Did any of y'all have seen Perfect Storm? George Clooney. My wife likes to watch George Clooney, not because of his acting abilities per se. Um, he's easy on the eyes, she says. Um, but The Perfect Storm is actually based on a storm. to be, um, and they, are get caught, they get caught up in this storm. Their, their captain, Billy Tyne, has been kind of on a cold streak as far as fishing goes, and he talks his crew into going out one more time, and they go out way past where they usually fish, around the Grand Banks, out, and, and finally, after they get about 500 miles offshore, they start to haul in this huge catch, right? Thousands and thousands of pounds of fish. Woo! You know, celebrate. And then they discover that they have two problems. Big problem number one, their ice machine breaks. And they realize that the only way that they're going to get this big haul back to the shore before it spoils, right? is to just go full speed back to shore as fast as they can to get it back before the fish spoils. So that's problem number one. And then on the way back to port, they run into problem number two, 
the perfect storm. And so why is it called the perfect storm, you wonder? And it's called that because of the things that are happening at the time. It's late October, and a normal weather phenomenon that happens sometimes, called uh, which the locals call the Halloween nor'easter, uh, starts to blow hard. And what's happening is that there is a high-pressure system coming down from, from the north, and then there is this strong gale that is coming in from the west, and where those two collide, it makes a big, big storm, and that can cause problems. And what makes this the perfect storm is in addition to those two things, the high-pressure system coming from the north and the strong westerly gale, um, moisture, this, this tremendous tropical energy from Hurricane Grace is coming up from the southeast and those three things, the high pressure and the, and the strong gale and the leftovers of the hurricane, tropical moisture, all three collide at one spot making the perfect storm and right in the middle of the place where these three things collide is the little fishing boat, the Andrea Gale. So um, the perfect storm is what the Bible scholar N.T. Wright calls what Jesus and his disciples are in the middle of during this passage that we're talking about, this time, during this time of their lives. You see, the, the strong gale that's blowing in from the west is this superpower that everybody is talking about, is on everybody's mind this military and political and social power that is Rome that is unrelenting and is sweeping across the land. The second element of the perfect storm in Jesus' day was the high-pressure system from the north. The, the history of Israel and the history of the Jewish people and the Jewish expectations for the Messiah and all of their hopes for Exodus. The Exodus is the defining story for the Israelites and, and their expectations of all of that. So you got this unrelenting blowing gale from the Roman Empire. You have this high pressure system of Jewish messianic expectations coming together. That in itself would would present a tremendous powerful storm and it did that was blowing up here and there but add to those two things Jesus the son of God Jesus the the incarnation of God's redeeming love Jesus who was preaching and teaching and and casting out demons and eating with sinners and pronouncing forgiveness Jesus, who was proclaiming that the very kingdom of God was right there among them at hand. That was like Hurricane Grace that was the wind of God blowing through there. And all three of those tremendous forces were coming together in one point, Jerusalem. So all of this was about to to collide and and Jesus knew that but the disciples didn't the disciples were basically clueless here's the situation and in, in Luke chapter 9 that we just read Jesus 
had, at the first part of the chapter, he had sent his disciples out. He told them, he gave them authority and power over demons and to heal. And he, they went out and they cast out demons and they delivered people from diseases. And they came back and rejoiced, like, this really works, Jesus. And then Jesus um, fed the 5,000. Remember that? When Jesus took the five loaves and two fishes and, and fed 5,000 people, and they were all super excited and seeing all these signs of the Messiah before them right in front of their eyes. And then Jesus took them aside. This is also in chapter 9 right before the transfiguration story we just read. Jesus took them aside and said, hey, who are the people saying that I am? And they said, well, some say that you're John the Baptist, come back from the dead. Some say that you're one of the prophets or Elijah or one of the prophets coming back from the dead. And Jesus said, well, who do y'all say that I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ. You are the Messiah of God. And then right after that, Right after that revelation, for the first time, Jesus told them that he was going to undergo great suffering, that he was going to be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes, and that he was going to be killed, and that on the third day he would be raised. And while their mind was still reeling from that, Jesus said, not only that, but if you want to follow me, then you've got to be willing to take up your cross and follow. See, we're all so used to hearing that, right? Deny yourself, take up your cross, follow me. Jesus was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from death. It's part of our gospel story. We're all used to hearing that. I've heard it my whole life. But for them to hear it for the first time was mind-boggling. It was, it was just like this powerful storm inside of them that they didn't know what to do with. It's just too much. You see? Are y'all following me this morning? Just too much for them. And so about a week after that, eight days after that, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, and uh, he did this. He went up on the mountain. Why did he go up on the mountain? Because sometimes you need a change of perspective to see things from a different angle, right? Sometimes you need to fly above the storm and just take time apart to talk to God, to talk things over. All right, hold on to that thought. Because we're going to come back to it in a minute. So up there on the mountain, kind of above the storm, Jesus spoke with the Father. He took time to pray. Jesus also spoke with Moses and Elijah. Imagine that. The scripture tells us that Jesus and Moses and Elijah were talking about what Jesus must accomplish in Jerusalem. And his departure, literally his exodus. 
So you have Moses, the representative of the law, and Elijah, the representative of the prophets, and Jesus, who is the fulfillment of the law and the prophets, all there together. And Jesus, knowing he had already set his face to Jerusalem, knowing that he was headed to the perfect storm, the clash of Rome and the Jewish leaders, and God's perfect plan for redemption, and all of that was going to be the exodus for the whole world that was held captive by sin and death. And then it says that Jesus was transfigured before the eyes of Peter, James, and John. He, he was changed and he shone with the glory of God because time apart can transform but we have to let it, you know. Sometimes we don't let ourselves be transformed because, one, we don't take time apart in the first place. And then sometimes we just entirely miss the whole point. Peter, everybody say, bless his heart. Bless his heart, yeah. Peter said, Master, it's good for us to be here. And he could have just stopped there. Or he could have said nothing, but he didn't. Uh, he just kept on going. He said, let's make three dwellings, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. Well, really, what would have been the harm in that? To build three structures? What, you know, a good church building program, that's, that's always a good thing, right? A couple of things were problems, problematic with that. One is, you know what? We just can't stay up on the mountain, when Jesus says there's work to be done down in the valley, we just can't camp up there. When God wants us to be somewhere else. And then the second problem was that Peter, by what he was saying, was putting Moses and Elijah on equal footing with Jesus. And so God stepped in, overshadowed them with a cloud, and with his powerful presence, God said, this is my son, my chosen. Listen to him. Listen to him. So hold on to this thought. We're going to come back to it too. So we've got two thoughts we're going to come back to. One um, and two. But first, I need to ask you a question. Now I need to ask you, as you're watching this at home or, or on the road or wherever you're following us today, I want to ask you this. Do you right now, or have you ever felt like that you were in the perfect storm? Here's what I mean. You have got a strong, relentless wind that's blowing from, from a direction that feels like that you're just caught up in it. You have no control over it. You, can't, you don't know what, uh, what to do about it. This well, for instance, wars going on, you know, pandemics going on. It's all of this stuff and changes and things that you just, you're just holding on here because it's blowing and it's happening whether we like it or not. And then just about the time that you think, I can't watch any more of the news, it's just too depressing, there's this high-pressure system of all the other things in your life, health problems for yourself, or for your family members, or 
uh, relationship problems or, or job problems or COVID issues. Our own denominational uncertainty is pressing down on us. If we're honest, we're going to talk about that more likely in the future, but it feels like a high-pressure system, okay? And we've got this wind blowing us one way, and we've got the high-pressure weighing down on us, and then we have the wind of God, the very kingdom of God, which is still at work in in and among us, still moving us forward, even though we don't understand where we're going, he's moving us forward. And right where all three of these forces are colliding, there we are in our little boat, holding on to the oars, rowing against 40-foot high waves. You ever feel like that? Life is stormy and stressful right now. And, you know, I feel it just like you do. Pastor Andy feels it just like you do. A couple of weeks ago, I got to spend some time at uh, Duke Divinity School for continuing education. And um, one of my favorite things that I did while I was up there was I got to talk with Dr. Jerusha Neal, who is a homiletics professor there at, at Duke. Really, really interesting person. If you want to go on YouTube and see any of her sermons, she's a, such a great preacher. She is an American Baptist preacher and, and homiletics professor, and she's married to a United Methodist pastor. She's just a very, very cool, interesting person, and she is so insightful and so caring. And we talked, she wanted to know about me and about my ministry, and we'd never met before. I just had requested to talk to, to her. She wanted to know about me and what was going on in my life and my ministry. And we talked about this passage in Luke chapter 9, this transfiguration, and about, um, about how that ties in with what's going on in our lives right now. And at the end of our discussion, she's so insightful and so caring and compassionate. And I, I think how lucky her students are to get to sit in her classes. And then at the end, she said something that kind of caught me off guard. She said, uh, Sam, how can I pray for you right now? And I really wasn't prepared for that. But I thought for a minute and I said, uh, Dr. Neal, just pray that I'll have the strength and the perseverance to just go through all this storm, you know. And so she did. She prayed for me right then and there. And she did pray that I would have strength and perseverance. And then she said this, Lord, Sam needs strength and perseverance to hold on to the oars and to keep rowing even when the waters are rough. And then she said, but Lord, more than that, Sam needs you, the one who walks on the storm, to come to him and to step in the boat with him. And it's like Jay sang a few minutes ago, it was a holy moment. Because she was exactly right. That's what I did need. I didn't just need strength to hold on to the oars. I needed Jesus. The master of the seas, I needed Jesus. So, back to the two thoughts that I ask you to hold on to. One is, 
Sometimes we need to take some time. Sometimes we need a new perspective. Sometimes we need to go above the storm just to talk to the Father. And if you feel like you're being tossed around on the sea of life and you feel like you don't know if you're going to go under or stay afloat, maybe you just need to take some time away. Some quiet time to talk to God, to listen to God. You know, I certainly needed that. I'm, I'm really, really glad to be back, by the way, but I really, really needed this time away. Maybe you don't have weeks that you can take. Maybe you don't have days or even hours that you can take. It might just be a few minutes when you can just steal away and turn the noise off and find the calm above the storm, you see, and dedicate that time to talk and to listen. That's what prayer is. It's taking time to talk, to listen, to commune with God. Have you done that lately? And then the second thought, I said we're going to come back to this. The second thought is what God said to Peter up on the mountain where God basically shushed Peter and said something like this. Peter, close your mouth and turn your eyes on Jesus. My beloved son, turn your eyes on him and listen to him. Because you see, the next day, after all of that happened on the mountain, the next day, Jesus said to Peter, James, and John this. He said, hey, y'all, it's time to come down off the mountain and go and to minister to the people down in the valley. Jesus had already set his face toward Jerusalem, toward that perfect storm that he was leading them into. And here's the question. Would they follow him? Would they take up their cross and follow him? I don't know all of the winds that are hitting your life right now. And you know, even if we were best friends, you might still not tell me about all the storms that you're having on the inside. But I do know the storms that I'm going through. And I know that I need strength and perseverance, perseverance and above all the presence of Christ who walks on the storms. And I think we all need that. I think we all need those two things. Time apart to fly above the storm, spend the time in prayer, have the transformation that can occur with all of that. But then when it's all said and done... When all of the talking heads around us, we silence all of that. We silence ourselves and we turn our eyes to Jesus. And we just say, yes, Lord, I'm willing to follow. Yes, Lord, I'm going to hold so tightly to your hand that I can't help but to follow. I'm going to follow the one that can even speak to the winds and the waves and say, peace be still. So those two things, time apart to pray and follow Jesus. That's it. And you might say, wow, Pastor Sam, you were gone for a whole month and that's all you've got. That's the best you can do. Time apart to pray, follow Jesus. Well, yeah. 
That's the best I could ever do. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for uh, the way that you transform us when we stop and take the time to fly above the storm for a while. And we know that you don't want us to just stay up there on the mountain because you've got work for us to do. And that, and that following you means taking up our cross and, and doing that. Our eyes are tempted to turn in a hundred different directions, but Lord, keep our eyes on you. Our ears hear a hundred different voices, but help us to listen for your voice. In Jesus' name, amen.
Now, will you receive this benediction? Oh God, our hearts have no desire to stay where doubts arise and fears dismay. Though some may dwell where these abound, our prayer, our aim is higher ground above the storm. Amen. <laughs>